0: And welcome to episode number
1: 70. Wow. Let's 70 go. weeks, dude. That's 70 crazy. weeks we have been doing this. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Really? It's crazy. 70. I mean, all right, so let's add in some holidays. So what 75? Yeah. So we're no, we've missed, I'm, I'm not
0: even sure we've missed that many. I, yeah. I I know we've missed maybe three or four. I'm not I'm not even sure if
1: we've missed five. Yeah, it's nuts, man. It doesn't feel like it. I mean, it does in a way, because you think back, oh man, our first guest, that was so long ago, but 70 weeks, man. Way to go. Way to go, Jeff. Congratulations. Hey, way to
0: go to you. Nice work. Yeah, that's, the, oh, that's amazing.
1: I got to tell you, and I this is going to come out on Thursday, obviously, but we're recording it Tuesday, the morning after we had ACL Live on Monday last night, and we had some guests on, but we did not have Jeff mccarriger intros, and it was so painful not to have because it was basically like me and Michelle going, "And hey, welcome," blah, 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 you know, and it's just like right there, no buildup, no nothing, just like How welcome. Could you? Not, she, it's
0: super easy to do. Just make I know. Shut up. I, I know.
1: I mean, that was. <laughs> I, I guess I probably should have done it, even though she, you know, it. it she's kind of the host, when you know, in that way. But anyway, should have done it, didn't do it, so it was definitely missed. And it was funny. Tanner no, noticed. It. He's like, "Man." Been nice the to intro. have one of those wow. Jeff <laughs> intros.
0: <Blame>. <laughs> <laughs> Boring. Speaking of which, I'm a little bit tired today. Recording this, I, I really have not written one for our guest today. Not that he really needs one, but uh, have not yeah. really written
1: a. I got a to. One uh, up, but. I got to bed around six this morning.
0: You got to bed around six.
1: Could not sleep.
0: Man, you and I were talking before we came on. Yeah, I'm telling you, we really need to do this old man podcast because it, it's legit, dude. It's the struggle is real. Like I went out on on Sunday and we didn't even go out Sunday night. We went out Sunday day, like did a little bit of day drinking. Yeah. And Monday was rough and I'm still a little tired today. And you were saying that you had read something or heard like how alcohol, how bad alcohol is.
1: I love it. It's so
0: much fun, though.
1: But, you know, they, they say it also, if you drink a little like it doesn't allow you to get to deep REM sleep. Oh. You know, people say, oh, I passed out. I was asleep for ten like, yeah, but you never got real sleep. That's why you can sleep for nine hours after you've been drinking and still feel exhausted because your mind never gets all the way down. Got it. And that's why I mean, I I get the worst sleep. As a matter of fact, if I've been drinking, I'll fall asleep for like three hours and then I'm yes up, and then I'm up the rest of the night and That's it's That's exactly worse.
0: what happened to me. Exactly. And of course, I was already ex, ex, uh, just exhausted because in, in a good way, though, I don't mean to sound like I'm complaining because this past weekend, um, I got to broadcast the bridge run uh, mm-hmm. here in Charleston. The bridge run is is just... Big deal. Wanna, I, yeah, I don't want to bore anybody with it, but here in Charleston...
1: It's a fun um, time if you ever go down.
0: Yeah, you used, used to be about 40,000 people. Um, they, they had to cap it at 40,000, but... Post COVID, they're not quite back to those numbers. It was just shy of, I think it was like 27,500 runners. Where like does it end now? Uh, it starts in Mount Pleasant and, and it's same same route that it's always. It starts over on uh, basically Shem- just beyond Shem Creek in yeah, Mount Pleasant. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you run over Shem Creek, down Coleman Boulevard, across the bridge, down Meeting, down King. And then, uh, and then back up meeting, and that's where it finishes. But it finishes right downtown Charleston. But anyway, so I think it was like twenty three thousand people who finished it. But the great thing is about this is that uh, they broadcast it live here on our ABC affiliate, so I get to sit in the back of the pace truck and nice. uh, literally, yeah, literally just watch the watch the leaders. And I mean, it's legit runners. I mean, it's you know, oh, it's, sure. it's a lot of it's a lot of Kenyans mm-hmm. um, who are who are at the front in the elite group, and then and then there's there was about four or five Americans who were who were really competitive. There's actually a kid out of Clemson um who was who was out front early he was kind of the sacrificial lamb uh, <laughs> because the wind was just ripping i mean right into their face about 15 20 miles an hour so the dude's name is his last name was quaddle so they almost kind of threw him up front just to cut the wind be the rabbit yeah <laughs> yeah used, used him that. used him and then, and then and then passed him and left him in the dust but so much fun but then when it finishes it finishes uh, in downtown Charleston. And it is just, I mean, as you, as you know, I mean, it is just a party. You get 25,000 people downtown, plus a cruise ship was in town and <laughs> it was just a party. So I already, and I had, I had uh, crew call was 5.00 AM for us on Saturday. Cause our coverage started at six 30. So, so I already, and I don't know about you, I, I really don't sleep very well. Like when I know I've got to get up early for some reason, I really don't sleep. It's not like I'm going to go to bed at nine. I still don't go to bed until 11 or 1130. 11 um and then i'm kind of amped up so i don't really fall asleep till 12 or twelve thirty. and all of a sudden boom the alarm goes off at four i'm like shit so I'm already <laughs> tired and then sunday, we go sunday we go drinking at the place down the road and go to go to the uh where does it end the Farmers market and... where does the race end it, it, it's basically like basically ends it basically ends right at td arena downtown charleston
1: okay because back in yeah, the day D. D. yeah it was a little rougher when it where it ended not quite as bad but like so we used to go to Vickery's or some areas on Chim Creek kind of kind of yeah. get the day started early with with all the when everyone was getting going that was a fun time Chim Creek is still, cooks, Vickery's is still there well i don't know we i have been there in years You just there last week it, I used, we used to tear that place to the ground jeff back in the day
0: oh i believe it bernie that, i mean that, that whole, Creek, that whole that, that area, area. oh
1: man come on so
0: there's a there's a place where all the kids go now and and if you want to come to Charleston and you're in your 20, late 20s, 30s, 30s, uh, Saltwater Cowboys is the place to be. We just we just look at it from a distance, <laughs> but it is just party nation. It's amazing. So we stay on the adult side over at over at Vickery's. But yeah, back in the day, a buddy of
1: mine had his little boat, not a little boat, it was a nice little boat. And so we just bringing it on the dock. Take it back around over to ala Palms. He had a beach house over there. His family did. We, man, we, we nice. used, to have, used to have some times, my friend. We actually almost got lost in the tidal creeks one night. Oh, my gosh. You, that, the, that would be easy to do. As the water was going down. Yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, we were probably 15 minutes from stranding that boat. You know, oh, out yeah. in the middle of that pluff mud, which would have taken... I don't even know if we could have walked out. No, to be no, honest, no, you, we'd have a yeah, wait. Six, you'd have to wait for high hours. tide. Just yep. <laughs> wait for the tide to come. Oh, back. In. I've seen it. it I've seen so, people get stuck out there so close. In the middle of like midnight. It was just so oh stupid. Oh my god. Yeah, so stupid. But we we made it. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, go to Charleston, go to Shim Creek, experience the bridge run day. That's a fun day. I, I man, it is. Every so time weird. you bring up Charleston, it kills me. But it's so you different. You guys can though. move here. It's not the same place. You can move back. I know. It's just it's a different place. Telling yeah, you. it's more. It's more metropolitan
0: now. You wouldn't believe it. It's crazy. Yeah, it was. Dramatic.
1: It was little back the, back in yeah. the day, which which gave it even more charm, I think. But you know, yeah. I don't want to be that get off my lawn, old man. I back know. in my day, yeah. We'll save that for the other podcast. I'm telling you, (laughs) man, I'm ready. So,
0: so are you ready for some cornhole? I mean, seriously. I know Trey wrote it in the uh, in his preview of the national. This this, I mean, it's kind of cool that we're all you know looking forward to this with with such great anticipation. But man, I mean, it's I I was doing the uh, I was looking at the calendar just briefly. I think we're talking basically. I mean, taking the pro pro invitational out of it out of it at Shamar's. If you go back to the World Championships, I mean, we're talking basically about eight months since our last. You know, major national tournament with all the pros there. I, I mean, this is I, yeah. I can't believe and, it's been so long. It feels and, like it's and been the forever. next four months
1: makes up for all of that.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially hey, May speak, and
1: June on the road. Yes.
0: Speaking real quick, I did want to hit a couple things before we bring on our guests. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, to your point, um, you know, you always talk about there's a difference between opens and uh, and nationals, right? Yep. And uh and and I think and I totally agree with you. I mean, the pressure, the amount of talent that's there, uh, the number of games you have to play, the fact that the days are so long, um, all the travel. So just just to back up your stat, well, two two things I wanted to bring up. One, one, as far as your stat goes, when I was preparing for the teams broadcast, I was just doing some background on Trey Birchfield. So Trey Birchfield is now third all time in career wins, right? I mean, you've got Matt Guy, Jamie Graham, one and one a, and then you've got Trey Birchfield right behind there. Do you? You may know this. Do you? Do you know how many national victories Trey Birchfield has?
1: Oh, you're killing me, Jeff. You're killing me. Well, I'll, just, it, I'll just tell you. I don't need to it, put you on the it's, spot. It's like three, right? Or is it? Well, it's it's
0: one. He has one. Now he does. Now he he does. And I don't want to minimize this because he's been great. Um, he does have a singles and a doubles world championship. But yes. to your point, Bernie, about you know stacking up all these career wins versus winning nationals, mm-hmm. I'm just talking nationals, one national victory. And we are talking about one of the all-time great young – and he's not even so young anymore yeah. compared to the others. But I was shocked by that. that I, I said to Trey, because I called Trey right away, or I texted him right away. I said, is this right? And he's like, yeah, dude. He's like, you need to tweet that. I didn't. I didn't have time to do it. But, yeah, that shocked me. One national win. Put it put it, it this you, it shows way. shows you how hard it is.
1: Yeah, put it this way, it, to make it analogous to golf, which, you know, I hate doing. But I saw an interview with Roy McIlroy talking about Tiger Woods. He went over to his house, and in the trophy room, he has his 15 major trophies, right? Yeah. Well, the guy's yeah. won 82 times. And so, Rory was like, so where are the other trophies? He's like, I don't know. He's like, I think my That's mom not. has some. I, I think some been donated. He's like, I have no idea. The only ones that count are those fifteen. And I think with a certain group in our pro division, yes, winning the opens is great, right? Obviously, you want to, you're a competitor, you want to win every time you start throwing backs. But the ones that they really, really, truly care about, and I think the shootouts are kind of getting into that realm as well because a, the money, you know mm-hmm. if, you can, if you get to the shootout championships, you can win some real real coin yeah. there. But uh, I mean, they they kind of are. You know, it's just a giant step up. It means more. I yeah, I agree. It just means more all the way around.
0: Yeah, I agree. So I was I was I was shocked by that. But then then so then I started looking at at uh, national wins, right? And I really am going to kind of start the narrative this year on this on the broadcast because because we cannot minimize what Matt Guy has done, nor mm-hmm. do I want to minimize what Jamie Grant has done. But right. I do think that when we are talking about these. Um, about these career wins. We do need to separate their national wins. I, I, I wish, I know we tried to avoid this word, but I wish we could do like, like I looked at it. So Matt guy has 18 career wins tied with Jamie, but he has 11 national wins, right? Um, Jamie Graham has 18 career titles, seven national wins. He also has the world singles championship. So like, like, do we call those, do we call those majors? So can I say he has like, how do I verbalize this? Like I, I, would, say I like, wouldn't use the word
1: majors due to, uh, because
0: Matt guy, Matt guy has the most, significant career wins but I mean, I say that, that sounds stupid like we, have, like we need to come up with a with a name for these i mean I they're, know, they're I called nationals
1: Rangers, bro but... i mean they're na- oh i've got another one for but you I, but ready? i think
0: world champ but i think world championships should be in there as well like like matt sure. guy and jamie both have both have their national wins but they both have two i think i think they both have two world championships absolutely look i've got another one for
1: you you're ready so what do we I call
0: those what do we call how do we they're combine they're called nationals
1: words? and world championships yeah, I was, I was trying to think of something more sexy, though. <laughs> Look, I've got another another division for you. I think, like college basketball, for example, it is an honor to make the Final Four, right? It's, it's considered a giant thing to have in your war chest as a coach and as a player making a Final Four. I think our yes. broadcast should be the same way. If you make a national television broadcast, I think it speaks volumes about your play. For example, Alex Rawls last season. Seemed like he was on television every time we were at a national, right? Couldn't find a way to press all the way through, but he was always on television. Probably as much as our next guest, actually. But just had a hard time finishing the deal. But I think it means something if you make a broadcast because you've made the final four. In essence, you've 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 made the final four, and that's you've won your bracket. Winning your bracket at a national event is. Is ridiculously difficult, man. Yeah. Well, so you know hard. who
0: re, you know who rewards that one of the bag manufacturers, Mike Kennedy, absolutely with, with with lucky bags. I mean, he get as soon as as soon as one of his guys or girls makes a national TV broadcast, they get the diamond, the chain, technology. baby, the yeah, chain. So, got, so it's 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 a big deal. So I'm with you, but but yeah. So I I really want. I mean, so when we talk about Jamie Graham and Matt Guy, and again, I don't mean to take anything away from Jamie. You know, I love Jamie. When we talk about Guy and and Graham being tied right now for first all time and career wins. Um, okay. Yeah. But to go back to your point about tiger, Matt guy is still the guy. Matt sure. guy is still number one. He still has the most, I know we don't like to call him majors, but he still has the most career significant major wins mm-hmm. in, in nationals and world championships. So I don't know. I, I, well, I think we need, I think we need to, I think we need to bring up that narrative when we're talking about
1: it. I, I think so too. I mean, look, I, you know, I, I've taken a lot of heat, uh, we had to release our initial power rankings and I did not have Matt in my top 10. And I think I told you this within literally, I think Trey or whoever handles our socials that day, put it online. Within five minutes, I had Jason McCannon blowing me up on the phone, uh-huh. ask, a- asking me if if it was okay for him to apologize to the cornhole world for me. I was like, and I had no idea what he was talking about. It was kind of, I was like, what, what did I do? You know, but, right. but Matt guy is the first face on Cornhole's Mount Rushmore, the very first that gets put in. I don't think there's any question about that. So, I mean, whether whether he's able to maintain his status as the years go by or, or he becomes resurgent and takes his place back, who knows? But he is the first face on Cornhole's Mount Rushmore, for
0: sure. Yeah. Well, he must not have been paying attention to my power rankings because when we did him back in Myrtle Beach, because uh, ESPN wanted us to give ours, I also did not have Matt Guy on there. Only because I'm worried about the style of play and Mm -hmm. I'm worried about the game. I'm not, I'm not worried about the game passing him by like we've talked about with some players, but I'm worried about a different style of play Uh, maybe not being conducive to him winning at a really high level. I think it's going to make it really difficult for him you know, the way that everyone's able to stop the slide game now. So oh, speaking yeah. of which, one, one real quick thing and then we got to go. We got to get yep. to our guest. Um, so there was a, there was a, a guy who listens to the podcast posted on Facebook. You might have saw it um, kind of pitting my my thoughts on the game versus uh, versus the guy from uh, the Big Ass uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. And and, um, you know, he, he tried to kind of classify what I've been saying and said and said that, uh, you know, I was talking about how the slower style uh, dirty game is bad for the game. And you know I I've, I've got my opinions on it but I I really don't want anyone to to and it was actually pretty pretty good what the guy posted. I just don't want anyone to mistake what I'm saying because because I truly appreciate the way that everyone's playing and I totally understand how difficult it is to play that slower defensive dirty style whatever you want to call it right. and I appreciate watching it but but let's let's just not be closed-minded as as a group and as a sport to not allow you know other people's opinions in because I'll use my analogy to baseball because that that's the biggest one I have I mean I spent over a decade in baseball and just because we love the game I used to sit down we used to do a morning show in Kansas City and George Brett would come on once a week George Brett's a Hall of Famer no one loves baseball more than George Brett however <laughs> George Brett still had some concerns about the game of baseball some of these hall of famers and some of these great coaches and players that I would talk to on a daily basis were concerned about the pace of play they were concerned about the lack of offense so I think we can have some concerns without just throwing shade at everybody 100%. You know, I, I'm just and, and that's all I'm saying I, I but but please don't mistake the fact that I love and I appreciate how everyone plays and I and I realize trust me I watch it all the time I get it it's really difficult to play that way and it, and, it, and it takes a high level of skill and I appreciate that
1: if you haven't learned that it's not okay to have a have an opinion that is contrary to the uh, majority of players you, you haven't learned that's a bad thing yet
0: well i'm saying i'm saying it is so and i i'm bold I'm, I'm, I'm enough to say i really don't give a shit that's just what i'm thinking but but uh, anyway let's get let's get to our guest i've bored him long enough so our guest today has been on before you all know him um and now i feel like there's a ton of pressure on my intro because
1: yeah, like I set the show,
0: yeah. but, but but this dude, I absolutely love talking to him. And I and I really feel like our guest today has not only taken the sport really to another level, but the mental game. And I think you would agree, Bernie. I mean, one of, the, one of the first conversations that I had with him, I said, listen, I said, uh, you know, uh, how, how do you how do you handle the self-talk? How do you handle the mental challenge of the game? I said, do you get nervous? And the first thing he said to me was, no, I don't get nervous at all. When I get to that broadcast court, I've been playing all day and I deserve to be there. That's what he flat out told me. I deserve to be there. I I truly feel like there is nobody more mentally tough in this game and it has showed in his success. Uh, He just his rookie season last year with the ACL won 11 career titles. We were just talking about Jamie Graham. We're just talking about Matt Guy. They've got 18, right? I mean, two of the greats. Yeah, and this guy all of a sudden comes in in his rookie year after learning how to play the game on YouTube. He comes into the game, wins eleven career titles, and uh, and also became uh, the the world singles champion in the ACL, the top player in the world. So please welcome back to Borderline Mark Richards.
1: What's up, Mark? <laughs> look at look at him. Look how different it is now with everything in the back behind him, all the trophies it's oh awesome my gosh. hey
0: <laughs> hey first things first every, everything okay with the with the wheel with the tire sounds like you and you and alec had a heck of a night the
2: tire's good it was a 29 uh patch 11 tire this morning <laughs> shout out to them so wow. back at home hanging out now
0: yeah nice. yeah mark mark for those of you who, uh, just behind the scenes here mark texted me earlier this morning he's like uh by the way alec ron and i blew a tire uh coming home from a blind draw last night so i gotta get my tire fixed because we all need to leave in the next 48 hours to head down to texas so uh so it's important to get your tire fixed all right uh all right mark let's get right to it so um you know again we were just talking about the style of play um so let's let's do this first i mean the game has evolved right and and i think you've you've kind of had to evolve just in the short time you've been playing the game so as as the singles world champion and, and with this you know slower style defensive dirty style i mean have you, have you changed your game at all to adjust to that during the offseason? For
2: sure. Um, I've developed like a, a more of a, a cut and roll now, um, and that I feel pretty confident in throwing. Um, I don't throw it as often as a lot of other carpet-style players, but I do throw it um, when a conservative shot is needed rather than the airmail. Um, and when I first started the game, there was no way that I thought that I was going to be ever throwing that kind of bag, just because I, I don't throw those kind of bags. And um, in my style right away was to throw every bag in the hole. And I still do want to do that. But with the game evolving, like you said, I mean, people wanting to block on a daily basis and a game to game basis. I got to have different shots in my arsenal to
1: be uh, successful. Mark, I got a question for you. With all your success last year, And the way you kind of burst on the scene for those in the know, it may not have been quite as instantaneous as it, as it appeared, but yet it it was, Hey, who's this Mark Richards guy that's crushing the open series to Mark Richards being the best player on the planet. Do you feel it probably started to happen towards the end of last season, but have you noticed, and can you feel the giant target on your back? Is that palpable as you go from tournament to tournament?
2: I I do. uh, Absolutely. Uh, Me and Phil, if we're not playing in the open or a, a regional, we're going to a uh, some type of tournament, um, you know, a couple hours away, and we get a lot of downtime to talk. And um, you know, I told him recently, I was like, "Man, it feels like these games are taking forever." And he said, "Because everyone, everyone wants to beat you so damn bad." <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's true. Um, uh, so definitely,
0: Mark, what has your life been like? I mean, from from learning to play the game on YouTube, literally um to all of a sudden taking the game by storm and all the national tv appearances it finally comes to an end right and and everything slows down um i know you guys still have the 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 blind draws you play in local tournaments and the opens but how how did it change your life with all the national tv uh appearances and all the notoriety last year
2: yeah um honestly, not even, not even the the blind draws and and all that. It goes back to my family. Uh, two weeks ago, I was at my, my grandma and my aunt's house and, um, my aunt pulled out this scrapbook that I had no idea she even made. And, um, it was very, it was very, very sentimental to me to be able to, to go through that scrapbook with my grandma. Um, who's currently 96 years old and, um, just look back on the year I had and, um, same with my aunt. Just the that moment right there is, is is driving me towards the second year in the league for sure.
0: What was it like? What like? How did it affect you emotionally? Like, just, specifically?
2: Um, no, know, knowing what kind of effect my grandma had on me last year, and how bad I wanted one for her and Shelby and my entire family, and being able to do that for her, and just you know, she she used to play softball um, um back in the day, and she was very competitive. And to do this for her now, um, it it feels amazing.
0: I I love, sorry, Brandon. As far as 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 the emotion of it, um, I I think that was one of my favorite moments of last year was to see you all so emotional after your world championship win because it validated, Mark, everything that you've done all the hard work that you put in and i'm sure there's probably a lot of people you know in the background a lot of chatter what really you're playing cornhole what what do do you mean you're (laughs) playing cornhole i mean if you can just kind of talk through that emotion of that day and 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 i'm assuming it was wasn't it wasn't it validation of all the work
2: no absolutely i i think the florida open um my girlfriend's grandparents live in florida and they're only 10 minutes away and i think before um, before they came to the event, they they probably respected it just knowing, uh, seeing me on TV and, and talking to Shelby and her parents. But after they came to the open, um, they respected it a lot more after they saw it in person. Um, and as far as validation goes at, at the World Championships, um, that was the icing on the cake. I mean, that is that is the Super Bowl. That is the the NCAA Championship. That, that that's everything. And, and I had to go against Matt Guy and Jamie Cram. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, holy smokes. Um, I said on there, I said, you know, I don't normally have to pull that out of my bag and it's really hard to do, but my game plan was, you know, I got to make these games a marathon and one of my favorite movies um, now it is not jumped Hoosiers, but it's right there with it. Uh, <laughs> King Richard, um, oh, yeah. the Williams sisters. I I watch that movie about every single time we're on the plane Um, when they're practicing, there's a sign and it says, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And man, did I plan for, for that tournament in that year? Holy
1: smokes. Well, so you, you touched on something as far as like playing for your grandmother and for your family. Do you feel that having that person or person's, to play four kind of takes, in a, in a in a weird way, kind of takes the pressure off of you because you can get kind of wrapped up in your own head about I've got to do this, I've got to perform this way. Well, wait a minute. Here's my target. This is who I'm doing this for. Does that – do you feel that alleviates some of the pressure you can put on yourself? Oh, your my time? God.
2: All, all of it. All of it. At the end of the day, you control what you can control. You ignore the naysayers. If things don't work out for you, you go back to the drawing board and you tell yourself, if I did everything that I could at this tournament – there's nothing I should be ashamed about.
0: Mark, how do you, how do you do it mentally? Seriously? Like, I mean, do you, do you ever have bad days? <laughs> like you, <laughs> you are so strong mentally. I don't, I don't know how you do no, it.
2: For sure. No, I, I do. And I think, um, um, really accepting and I would I don't know about enjoying the process of, of fatigue and adversity, but you definitely can't just, uh, brush it to the side. When adversity hits, uh, you really got to embrace it and you really got to find ways around it.
0: So how do you do that? I mean, how do you how do you stay? How do you stay positive?
2: Well, Shelby travels with me everywhere, so she's a really good sidekick and manager to have um, a lot of times. She'll just be like, hey, let's go outside. Like we were at um, Atlantic City, where the boardwalk is. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, yep. and I lost a, a big match to, I think, Matthew Creek who ended up winning the whole dang thing. So we just went out to the boardwalk for five or 10 minutes. And, um, you know, I just, I, 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 I verbally was frustrated. I was, and, and she just said, Hey, we're outside the game's over. You got to scrap it and move on. And I did. And I ended up not winning. And I got back to Creek killer, which was awesome, but he shot amazing. All respect to him, but uh, she helps me out a lot. Um, music helps me a ton. Um, remembering where I came from the people behind me, so, yeah,
0: I want I want to dive back into what you said a moment ago about about planning for your events. What what do you do? Like, what have you been doing? What kind of plan do you have now as we are just well, by the time this comes out, this will come out, out to, for people to watch on Thursday night, but to listen Thursday. So maybe some people will be listening to it while we're traveling on Thursday. But but what are you doing, and what have you been doing to specifically plan for this first national of the year, which you're going to start competing in here in, in, in a matter of hours?
2: Yeah, uh, physically wise, um, we we bought a hot tub on Black Friday. Uh, wow, so I've been using that a lot, and and <laughs> right I, on. I, I treat it. I treat it. At, I don't treat it as like a um, a thing I can use all the time. I only use it after I have practiced, and I feel like I had a good practice. Um, so more of just like an enjoyment thing. And then we also got one of those massage guns, uh, that I oh, use. Yeah. So, so that's the physical yeah. side of it. Um, mentally, um, taking notes on a day-to-day basis. It's not like a, a journal. Uh, but, uh, I, I, do write down things, how I felt that day. If I had a bad day, I definitely write something down. Um, and just relaxing, uh, keeping things light. We, 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 have our own house now and we have a cat, uh, Rudy, He's, a, he's, he's four months old, so enjoying time with him. Keeping things light, but still staying locked in for sure. I,
1: I should have asked this as a two-part question earlier when I was asking you know, about the target on your back. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I think because of your season last year, you've actually affected the game in a way that you probably don't even realize. I've noticed a change in players like Devin Harbaugh. I've noticed a change in a few others where they're now – finding ways to mentally prepare themselves differently than they had in the past. There's now a player on the block, you, who is so mentally tough, who is so mentally strong that those players realize, hey, I've got talent too. And I would say my talent's right there with Mark. What's separating Mark right now from me? And so I don't know if they would admit it in in a way, but I think, you know, I've, I've had a couple of interviews with some of these guys. I think you've actually changed a mindset among the top players. It's not just hey, let's go get hammered, you know, for three straight days. I mean, everyone's still having a good time, but I think you're seeing some of the top players say, hey, well, you know, I've got to refocus myself. I've got to be as committed and as focused as that guy is, or he's going to leave me behind. Do you feel that? I mean, I know it's a – you don't want to be, you know, that magnanimous about yourself, but do you, do you feel you've had that kind of impact on the game?
2: I'm not really. Um, I would say um, – some of my success last year came from luck. Um, I definitely got some luck on my side for the the Nationals, uh, but definitely not the shootouts on the single side. <laughs> um, so a lot of it has to do with luck for sure, um, day-to-day basis. Um, but, you know, I, there's a lot of strong players in this league um, mentally and and physically, and, and I know they're putting in work as well. So um, there's so many players that are going to be ready to go for National number one.
0: I think it's, it's so amazing to me to have these conversations because this is, the, this is now the 70th podcast that we've done. So, so we do this once a week, uh, taking a couple of weeks off. So just in the last 74, 75 weeks, uh, the conversations that we've had with people like you, Mark, these conversations have grown exponentially. And I think back to some of my first conversations I had with players in my first year back during COVID 2020. And Mark, this is becoming a real sport like this is for real now like you've got you have got the pump gun right just like we see on the sidelines with the players uh players are scouting other players uh, i talked i i mentioned this on a different broadcast i was talking to Jackson Gore how how old is jack bernie 13 15, I
2: 14 okay. 14
0: 15 years old he's watching video on himself to learn about his game so we've got video scouting we've got exercising we've got uh, dietary uh you know things that that people are doing now in the game the mental toughness like this is becoming a real sport, and, and it feels like, to Bernie's point, you were kind of one of the guys that that kind of want to take the sport to another level. Is that true?
2: No, absolutely. Um, like I said, you know, like my, the thing I brought up earlier with my girlfriend's grandparents, until you physically see it, you know, um, in real life for yourself, um, you may not have the same respect. But I think, you know, on our ESPN broadcast and CBS Sport broadcast, I don't know how – that can't legitimize the sport, um, and it's a great way. Like you know, I, I I said in the past that I don't like intramurals. You know, once you're done with high school sports, and if you're not a college athlete, this is a great great hobby or career or whatever you want to call it to get into.
0: Yeah. Do you ever do you ever do you ever see yourself on TV and say, "Man, I shouldn't have worn that." Or, geez, wow! I got to cut my hair. Or man, I hated that hat. Like, like, did you ever see yourself on TV? Sometimes you're like, damn, I shouldn't have done that.
2: Baby babyface assassin last year. <laughs> gotta throw this bad boy out in off season.
1: <laughs> it's true though. Like Jeff, I can't watch. Like, I don't think I've seen that many borderline episodes because I, I I get kind of freaked out by seeing myself on screen. So, did, like, do you do you get like that? Because I I look up and I hear my voice and I literally cringe. I mean, I feel this thing go up my spine. Like, look at that jackass, right? Like, do you ever feel like, oh my god, look? Or are you like, hell yeah, check me out? That's national television right there. You know, I don't
2: watch myself too much. Um, I watched the World Singles a couple times, um, but uh, I, you know what? I'd probably say the same thing. I really don't like watching myself too much. Um, I, there are a few players that I really like if anytime they're on a live stream on Facebook or, you know, a rerun on ESPN comes up, I'm like, I'm watching this. Cause there are uh, multiple number of players that I, I love watching.
0: The, the, the perfect transition. Cause like yes. I told you uh, when I emailed you yesterday, I, I actually wanted to ask you that, like, who do you like to watch? Like, like who's somebody's game that like you were just talking about that you, you really, it's, it's like mm. must see, you've got to watch them play.
2: Top three would probably be in no specific order. Um, definitely Jamie love watching Jamie uh, his, his pace is second to none um, like I, I think I don't know if it was exactly him but I, I probably did develop the, the one bag at a time from Jamie um, just because it looks it looks very crisp and he looks very thorough when he's throwing the bag so definitely Jamie um, probably like a Ryan Whedonfield slash Alex Hicks um, you know I do I, I still am a fan of the game for sure um, so watching a dirty style game, that's a lot. That's a lot of fun to watch. And then um, third, I would probably have to say um, probably like a, a, a Cheyenne or like a Tyler Poitras, um, going back to my roots, and just just staying hole for hole, kind of like they like to do.
0: Do you, do you? All right, only because you brought it up. <laughs> uh, I I have actually talked about this, Mark. I know you don't listen to the podcast every week, but I've talked about this like. I, I, I want to make sure... You're a huge sports fan, right? So you know in football they've changed the rules for more offense. In basketball, you know this better than anybody. They've changed the rules so that you can get more offense in basketball. In baseball now, they're increasing the pace of play. They want more mm-hmm. offense. Do you worry at all about, about the game um, and the future of it and the watchability of it because it's becoming so defensive?
2: Um, Do, do I worry about it in like what way?
0: Like, my, my, my point has been like, I love the offensive game. I love the hole for hole. You know, back in 2020, it was so exciting. I bring up the example all the time. You know, we'd see somebody shoot 24, 28, 30 bags in a row, something like that. And then all of a sudden, you'd see a block, right? But, it, but they would go hole for hole for a while. And it was so exciting to watch because people love watching two things they love watching greatness and they love watching offense. And now the game has become very tactical, right? Yeah, and 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 it's so. And, it, and I get it; it's very difficult to do. But I, I wonder sometimes if that's necessarily what people are going to want to watch, because because we're such an offensive-driven and minded. Um, you yeah, know, especially viewing, the viewing population,
1: yeah, especially the average sports fan, right, Jeff? Yeah, and that's talking we the really, viewers, yeah, that's who we really want to get in because we know yeah. the cornhole people, they know the game, they love that dirty aspect, the uh, defensive aspect of it. But to Jeff's point, and he's made it clear and I think he's made it concise and actually very well. The average sports fan who's flipping through on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon who gets kind of drawn in, do they want to see? a block in behind a missed airmail, like, cause to them, that looks like, wow, I mean, I can do that in my backyard. Right. Right. And, like, and so to Jeff's point, like, does that worry you?
2: Uh, so as, as a
1: sports a, fan. Yeah. As a sports fan.
2: We were at a tournament this weekend and Phil, I think, no, we weren't at a tournament. We were, it was yesterday, me, Phil, and Alec were practicing at the gym and I was kind of watching uh, behind the scenes and Alec had said, Oh, he's at 24 in a row. And um, that got kind of on the top of the 36 in a row. And in my mind, I was thinking, man, that was probably pretty boring to some people. Um, but at the same time, we got so much diversity in the game. You know, you had Creek Killer uh, win that national in Atlantic City, but then you know, ha- you, I, I did the thing in, in in Chicago. You're getting both sides of the game, uh, you know, at, at different times, where. You know I think the backyard style of play if, if we were if uh, three of us were to go to a backyard right now and throw against some random guys and we didn't put a bag in the hole they I freak think, they out. think we suck. Right to <laughs> right. be in the hole. Um, exactly. right. And and they don't understand like okay I push I put you just push my bag in. Woohoo like I, I want, no. <laughs> I think I think there's both sides and I think we do have enough diversity in the league from you know the dirty style to the throw every single bag in the hole, so it may for some reason if like all of the slick side players got weeded out for some reason and it just moved to dirty style, I don't know which way that would affect the game, but I think what we have right now, I don't I don't see it affecting anything
0: yeah well i mean the the best of the, the best of it is and, and bernie's talked about this is getting a five tool pitcher right like like you like it sounds like you're trying to become mark to where you have five pitches right so you can do it all if, if you have to play that tactical type of dirty bag defensive style you can do it and be great at it if you need to go hole for hole you can do that too like and and, and on, on a smaller scale we haven't seen him yet on a national side but but uh What's his name? Zach Schibner. I, I saw him down in Myrtle Beach. And I thought, and I thought, again, small sample size, I get it. I've only seen him live one time, but he seemed to be kind of a kind of a, a five tool kind of guy where he yeah. could he could make the adjustments and play different style games. I mean, I guess that's probably where y'all are gonna need to get for the future so that you can play play all those slides. So I, I'm assuming that's probably one of the reasons why you've had to change your game a little bit in the offseason.
2: Most definitely. I I think I think a pro. To Alex Rawls living in Florida. Because he is, in my opinion, he is one of the best five-tool guys out there. Like you're saying, yeah, he's he, can, he, he rolls the heck out of the bag. He cuts it. He can put it in the hole. He can block. He's always around the hole. He has every single shot he can throw all the time. And I think one of the perks for him living in Florida is he's at Fisher Hamilton's house every single day.
1: Okay? <laughs> and for me
2: living in Indiana, Phil's the closest Pro to me, as well as Tony Mayball, And I'm really only seeing like, yeah, they can throw a block, but they want to practice what's best for their game. And, and what's best for their game, I think they would say, is going hole for hole. So I don't see much of that. Now, a pro was with Alex staying with me the last two days. Yesterday, I was able to see more of a block style and play against that, which hopefully will benefit me. So, you know, it's kind of who you're able to play against on a consistent
1: basis that helps that too. Great point. Hundred percent. I mean, and like to your point. I mean, I think that's why the Southeastern Conference, basically, essentially all the Florida folks. I mean, you have the Carolinas region. You have that, you know, the Ohio region, where you've got so many players around each other all the time, just making each other better and better, which actually makes your rise that much more impressive, quite frankly. Because you didn't have you you can't go on your Monday blind draw at whatever bar and find ten other pros in the building to challenge you, right? Like like some of the folks do down in Florida, they'll go to their local blind draw, and there might be thirteen pros in that building. You good know, point. And, that, and that's you know uh, what, what what what's the phrase, Jeff? Steel, iron, sharpen steel, or st- like or iron, no, yeah, sharpens iron. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I and I think that matters. And so like I, kudos to you for being able to not have. All of that iron around you, and still get your game to a certain level. But I think it definitely helps when, like, like you're saying with Alex and with a few other players, just being able to grind it out against people that they know are so good already. It, it can do nothing but help your game. It can't hurt your game. Absolutely.
0: Hey, Mark. On a personal level, are you still are you still working? Are you still teaching?
2: Absolutely. Three minute drive every day, back and forth.
1: Right th- on th- three, three. That's living oh. right there.
0: That is. <laughs> That's awesome. Are are you on spring break? That like how, how like how do you get time off? Like I, I've talked to Nate break. Boyer about this because he teaches out in Sacramento. It's not real easy for you guys sometimes.
2: Yeah, this is spring break week for us. So we couldn't have worked oh, out perfect. better. But um, I, I work at a very small school. Um, the average class size is probably between fifteen and thirty per per wow. grade. So that's that's really small. Uh, so they they understand how serious I take it you know if I'm not in the gym at least a couple hours every day something's wrong um so they they understand what I do and I I made made it clear um of what I was going after with with the with the staff members before the year started and they were fully on board and you know I'm able to to get the days off that I need to to in order to travel so you know it's a it's a it's a two-way system and it works out really well
0: so what's your day like then? How much? How much? Uh, how much do you practice every day? And, and did you take any time off this past off season or no?
2: Shoot, no, no, <laughs> we, we, no, no time off with the players that we got in the league. Absolutely not. Um, so do you practice
0: every day? I mean, do you work out? Like, what do you do? What do you do every, to get ready?
2: Every day. I, I'm very, I'm very happy to say that I, I did practice every single day. No matter if it was for forty five minutes or, or four hours, I, I was able to throw every day. Um, you know, I get a, I get a prep that's attached to my lunch. That's an hour and 30 minutes, uh, during the day I've went in before school. I've, I've went after school. And, uh, what's really cool is I actually share a room with the social studies teacher and I coached with him for a couple of years when I was still coaching. Um, and, and we, we have the same, same interest, college basketball, and he is actually now got into cornhole and he's actually pretty good. He would say he's he's actually pretty good and he he, he understands it and he kind of wants to almost like follow in my steps, but very slowly. It's really cool. And to be able to talk with him now about that, it's been it's been really fun.
1: You know, Mark, thinking of your practice, are you the kind of guy that just throws like just throws bags or are you situational? And what I mean by that, you'll see some people that are just kind of practicing getting, you know, their arm motion down, honing in how the shots feel. And then some people are putting bags on the board and practicing situational shots. Like where where do you fall in that mix? I will never actually put a bag on the board uh, and then do whatever
2: I need to do around it. I will always physically throw the bag. Um, What I like to do, um, it's pretty simple. Um, Just number one, really just try to throw every single bag in the hole. But number two, I do get two sets and I'll, I'll alternate um, and I'll, I'll play to 21 or I'll, maybe I'll do a shootout format. And the number one thing is you really just got to make sure that like, if I miss my black bag, the, the, the blue bag, when I'm going to throw next, well, I can't miss that one. Like I got to put it in the hole. So like just kind of refreshing your mind after each bag on both sides is really important. But that's just a a small thing that I do. Um, I I really don't get too picky and and I keep it simple. One more
1: more quick question. Does being left handed have any effect in the game for you at all? Do you see an advantage, disadvantage or it doesn't matter either way? Because your angle of attack is different than most of the people you're playing against. So the, w- the way you're coming into the board is different. I just didn't know if you felt you had an advantage or it just didn't really matter at all.
2: Um, maybe bully situations, um, bullying bags off the hole. Um, I guess that could come into place. Other than that, I really don't see – maybe maybe me, like if I'm playing against like a Adam Hisner or a Kyle Malone, a standstill player – Mm -hmm. and I'm on the inside of the board with my left hand, maybe my arm swing being closer to them would have some effect, probably not. But I don't really see too many um, benefits or, or disadvantages for it.
0: All right, Mark, only a couple minutes left. So so a couple a couple questions for you, real quick. Um, you mentioned bags. How's the bag change been? I mean, a huge pickup for Mike Hennessy and for Lucky Bags. So they signed you guys. Man, it seems like it was forever ago. Uh when I when I saw that and I remember tweeting about it. Uh that made a huge, huge move for for you and for, for him. So how's the bag change been in, in that relationship?
2: Oh, dream come true. Uh, you know, I, that was the bag that I used when I, I made a good run. Um and when I qualified, I qualified with those those bags, the, the Snipers. Um, and I obviously didn't throw in my rookie year, but um, the day that I signed the contract and knew that I was on Lucky Bags, I knew I was with a company that, that cares about their players, and they designed quality bags um, that's going to uh, give players an opportunity for success. Um, and I couldn't be happier. Um, like I said, this was, this was a dream come true. Um, this was always a bad company that I wanted to be a part of, and now that I am, um, it's, it's go time for sure.
0: Any adjustment period that you had to go through to, to get used to the, to the new style and how long that take?
2: For sure. They're, they're, they're probably a little slower, uh, than the bags I was throwing last year. So, um, there's a slogan that me and Phil used last year, every time we would baby a bag and I'm not going to say it, but, uh, I tell myself that a few times in the adjustment (laughs) period, but, um, now, um, it, they feel they feel great i'm very confident with the bag definitely gonna have to be on my a game because in the past the boards have been on the slower slide but you know they i'm confident with them they feel good
0: all right real quick and then we let you go so what, what was the biggest thing that you learned last year at, throughout throughout your whole year and and the biggest and the biggest challenge that you think you're going to face this year
2: uh, just just to stay humble um, accept your wins like your losses. Like, like I said, you know, if you, if you can tell yourself at the end of the day that, that you did your best and you just got outbeat, um, there's nothing else that you can do except tip your cap and move on. Um, biggest obstacle or challenge I'm going to face this year. Um, I, I, like you said, I got a target on my back, a bunch of red hot players who are going are to want to beat the crap out of me. Um, and I did nothing wrong. I'm a nice guy. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, Probably that. Simply put.
0: Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time. i uh, Appreciate it. Can't wait to see you down in Texas. Can't wait to finally get uh, to our first national. It seems like it's been forever. But congratulations again on the great success, great rookie year, and we will see you uh, down in Texas here soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Good luck, out. Mark. Hi, right, Mark. Thanks. All right, I just cannot wait to watch this. I know, man. It's
1: gonna be so much fun. It's it, yeah, and I think because it's taking later to get to or longer to get to, it's kind of added to the anticipation for the do you first think he national. Can he do it
0: again? Can he do it again?
1: I don't know if he can have that kind of season again. I mean, it would be, it would be truly something special if he was able to have yeah. three quarters of that season again so small to be sample able to have size,
0: that I, yeah. small, I think we've got 15 seconds Got We've a small sample size I haven't seen it done you know I haven't seen somebody really go back to back have you no. is, is it no. possible no, not know, like I know that. Matt guy's no. great but we're not seeing we're not seeing we're not seeing like a dynasty yet
1: yeah I I, I just don't see it being that good I mean he's still going to be Mark Richards and he's still going to be one of the best in the world that that was just so, truly a special season I just I yeah. can't see that again he might be able to who knows I don't know I mean who knows? To watch. absolutely
0: all right bud safe travels i will see you uh soon down here in uh the see you Lister in a couple of days all right brother all right thanks, thanks for watching everybody bye